You're listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 193. I'm thrilled to have you here. I have a guest on who has, I think, has been on the show before. I know he's a good friend, and if he hasn't been on, he should have been on a long time ago. Um, I want to welcome... This always takes some work, so Paco, I'm going to see if I can get it right. Paco Garcia Jaén, how'd I do? Yes. That you did absolutely fantastically well, so there, thank you. There we go. So I want to welcome Paco to the show. Paco, um, you are the host of a, a podcast, GMS Magazine, mm-hmm. and you have a Kickstarter campaign right now that we're going to talk about a little bit called Dice and Slice. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a your magazine's uh web series that you're trying to produce. Tell everybody, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and a little bit about the show and the Kickstarter campaign. Cause we're going to talk about some of the, the things that you're doing because it's going to be slightly different than uh, some other projects that are out there. So tell us a little bit about the project and about your show and where people can find it. Right. Um, basically the show is going to combine game gaming, um, um, gamers and food. Um, we wanted to create, uh, because I'm very, very passionate about food and eating, especially about eating. I, I am incredibly talented at that. And, and we wanted to create a show that will, will basically tell people, look, when you have your mates around for, for gaming evenings, what do you cook? Because there is, uh, gaming is a very sociable thing, but there's nothing as sociable as sitting around the table and, and sharing some food. So if you, if you share the food and the games, I mean, I challenge anyone to find a more sociable experience. Um, now, at the beginning, I, I was really hell-bent on dispelling the myth that gamers eat badly. Ah, but, okay. But I must admit that when I was looking and asking around, you know, I was asking people, you know, what do you eat in your gaming evenings? And most people came up with crisps, pizza, soda. And my heart fell to the ground. <laughs> you realized, oops, they do eat badly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought, right, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to do this. And uh, we're going to produce 15 episodes, which are going to be one hour long each. In every episode, we are going to play a game. We're going to talk about the production of the game. We're going to talk about how it plays and what we like and what we don't like about the game, so it will serve us as a bit of a review, um, but it will be a very impartial review because people will be able to see uh, how the game plays itself. You know, this is not going to be about, oh, we like it or we don't. This is, look, this is how it plays. Right. These are the turns, these are the pieces, this is everything. And then we're going to sit down around the table and we're going to be talking about the game uh, while eating something that is very, very easy to cook. We will show people how to cook. Uh, and something that is very tasty. And doesn't um, get your fingers all sticky so when you touch the game components, it ruins the game, right? Oh, yes, exactly. That's exactly. what I'm asking. I want to eat food with my fingers so I can get my games all greased. No. It would right. Be nice food. You know, um, you are you're born in Spain, but you live in the UK, right? Yes. And I have to admit that the longest meal I've ever eaten in my life was in <laughs> Barcelona, uh, and I think we started at 8.30 at night, right before my bedtime, and I think it ended somewhere after midnight. And I still – it's been years, and I still remember it's like, oh, my gosh, does this ever end? So, yes, food 
is a key component of your culture, but also you're right, gamers. In in my case, with our gaming group, we I went and had my my wife got it for Christmas a, a professional popcorn machine, mm. like like one of those that you see in a movie theater. And uh, and what's happened is is that the gaming has the the gamers are showing up early to make sure that they get the popcorn, and that's what some of that are saying. They're coming for the popcorn. They're coming in driving an hour so they can uh, eat some of that popcorn. So that's an interesting tie-in. The food and the gaming, I think uh, you see it a lot. That and you're perfectly correct that the social interaction of dining together, of sharing a meal and playing a game, are so intertwined. It's very similar. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's is a really interesting area you know it's, it's, it's very different to actually sit down and play a game and then just eat around the game the, the whole mechanics the whole dynamics completely changes and i really want to showcase that i really want to tell people you know you can eat very well you can have a very good time and you can play games with your family well, how much cooler can i get how much cooler so i'm so to my audience that's listening right now reach out to me tweet me email me uh facebook post linkedin wherever you want to however you want to contact me or paco and i'd be interested to see what you guys eat at your gaming groups um when you guys get together family that type of gaming pizza yeah we didn't we st- we did it once and the, the the greasiness side of things the professional popcorn has very little grease on it because of the the nature of the machine, but it'd be interesting to hear what other people are saying. So I'm sure it's going to be an interesting show and it's going to happen now because your Kickstarter campaign launched a couple of weeks ago. You have funded. Yes. So if people go out to Kickstarter, um, the project ends in a couple of weeks from the recording of this. Uh, what date does the project end? It ends on the 6th of April. Okay. So if you're listening past the 6th of April, obviously the Kickstarter campaign is no longer active, but you can find it by going to Kickstarter, typing in uh, slice and dice is the easiest way to find that. So I have, I have a couple of questions because you had a fairly modest goal. You've laid out your stretch goals to, um, and basically it looks like most of the money is going straight into acquiring equipment to make the show, to upgrade the show and the components and the ability to do that, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, we have an awful lot of equipment already that we use to record uh, the panels that we organize at the UK Games Expo, the interviews that we do at that show on Spiel and Dragon Meet, uh, all the equipment that we have bought to get uh, all the unboxing videos that we also do. So we have a, a lot of it already, but we needed some key components that without it, um, the production of the show is not impossible, but it is difficult enough to make it impossible for us because uh, post-production takes a huge length of time. So we needed a machine that was going to um, do some on-the-fly editing uh, so we could actually not spend hours after hours after hours in the computer uh, putting all the cameras together, which is what takes the longest. So let's talk about the campaign because what, the first thing that somebody's going to notice if they go to back it or if they just go to check it out is that it is a UK-based uh, Kickstarter project. You're not, you're not, it's not the U.S. site. Uh, for our listeners, it doesn't matter to you. If you go out and type in Slice and Dice, it'll come up whether it's on the U.K. site or at the U.S. site. It doesn't matter. But there is a difference in backing the project. So as I became a backer of the project – um, the difference is, is that I can't just click a button and have Amazon just take care of it and not have to worry about it. I actually had to stop and put my credit card in to provide the funds. And I have to admit that in the past, I have not backed projects on that are UK-based 
for that very reason. It's like, you know what? I don't want to go find my credit card. I don't want to enter it in. I just wanted to back it. Okay, I'll move on. And I never go back. In your case, your friend, we've known each other for years. Uh, we met over food, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> right? And every time we got together, this, it was in – it was in the cafeteria dining area of Spiel, and so yes, it was always it was always food. Um, but if if it hadn't been the fact that I knew you, I would not have gone to the effort to back the project on the U, on the UK process to to pay in pounds rather than in dollars. So tell me your decision. Was there a decision to say no? We're going to do it the UK. We're UK based, or was it you know what? Uh, maybe we should experiment with the Amazon. How did you make that decision? Uh, to be honest, it was because to make it in the U.S. side, it's impossible for me because I don't have a bank account in, in the United States. Also, um, then I have to convert from dollars into pounds, which will also probably lose me a little bit of money. And then you have to pay for the transference from the American bank account into my UK bank account. So overall, the process is a lot more complicated. If I needed a lot more money, then I would definitely have tried to uh, figure out, go go to somebody I know and trust and say, look, I, I need this. How about we work together? Um, but because it was a modest little goal, you know, it was only £1,500, which is just under $3,000. Um, I didn't really want to go through the whole, um, let's find like an account in, in America to, to do this. Um, I understand that it's, it's a lot more complicated and I'm hoping that Kickstarter will be addressing that in in the future but for me it, it was the most pragmatical and logic way of going is there any way for you to track um the impact that it's had do you think that you've had a, a fewer backers or fewer amount of money because of that i think so i i think um firstly being the, the show being produced in in the uk um have put some people off um because they, we, we are further away, um, we may have different games, etc. Um, and also, as you say, it's, it's more complicated for people to pay um, and pledge uh, through through the British uh, Kickstarter. Right. So I don't know how much more I would have had, uh, maybe a little bit more, definitely. But I, I cannot really give you exact numbers. I really don't know. No, that. no, I, I can understand that, the, the impact. Now, I have had... Um, so I, I understand completely uh, where you're coming from, and I have been approached by numerous entities to provide that trusted person. Um, so when you get ready to do your next one, maybe we should talk um, so that we can uh, see, experiment and have this posted on the U.S. site and see it, what difference it makes. You know, I would be quite happy to do that as an experiment, actually. That would be quite cool. Yeah, it would be interesting to see uh, if it makes a difference. Uh, our friend Lawrence O'Brien, who's been on the show numerous times, um, the folks over at Aries Games, the uh, nearly half a million dollars they raised, um, those both were done through my entity. So it might be something for you to think about next time. Mm, indeed. But let's talk about then um, kind of how you're, how you're approaching then the money and the, what you're doing. You said $3,000, about um, 1,500 pounds. You crossed your goal. Now, on yours, you went ahead and put your stretch goals out there. You've got stretch goals all the way up to... Uh, 15,000 pounds, which is what? Uh, what is that? Uh, $20,000, $25,000? That about sense. Yeah. And so um, your thought on that, how much – you've been tracking the Kickstarter thing almost as long as I have um, from a slightly different angle. What were your thoughts on putting all your stri- 
I assume you did because they're all out there, putting all those stretch goals out there. What were your thoughts on that? Um, to be honest, it was mostly to show people that we are very serious about this and that we have thought very, very carefully about what we want, not just for the now, but also for the future. I didn't think for a second, to be perfectly honest with you, that we were going to get to the point of getting £15,000. Um, that, that for us was, you know, th this is just not going to happen. That's why it's called the stretch goal, right? Exactly. Right. And, and to be honest, th this is a show that's not been done before. I am uh, not particularly well known within the gaming industry. People don't need to trust me. So I didn't expect that people were going to just wave in to give me money to make this show. I'm expecting that to happen for the second season because we are, we really want to produce something very cool. But for this, I didn't. So I still wanted to have the stretch goals to show people we are here for the long run. And if you happen to trust in us from the very beginning, we are going to do something that is very worthy and that is very real with the money you're going to give us. This is not to sustain our lifestyle. This is to create a show for you. So I thought it was important to tell people what we wanted the money for and, and what our ambitions are. Let's talk about um, that idea of a lifestyle type thing, because we're seeing more and more um, in this space. Uh, you and I both are gamers. We're in the board game space. We've been watching Kickstarter have this profound impact on the board game space. And, and now it's starting to spill over, which is one of the things that, that I felt was going to happen three years ago when I started my podcast that we are currently on right now, was that this new ecosystem was going to be, be building up. And you're part of that now. Your web series is being supported by gamers who are probably most of them familiar with Kickstarter and some of the games that have been backed on Kickstarter. I'm looking at some of your backers and several, many of them have been on my show or, or were, have launched their own Kickstarter campaigns. What do you see? How do you see this changing the impact uh, over in the UK? We're seeing it in the US. Is Kickstarter having an impact on the industry from where you're at? We are beginning, I feel, to see that impact happening now. Uh, the, the incredible success that Modifuse has had with both their campaigns and, and how fantastically well Cubicle 7 has done as well uh, from, from the role-playing game side of things um, has really proven that, you know, the, the public, if you have a really good gaming product, they are willing and happy to, to back you up and be behind you all the way. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Um, it, I feel the, the board games are also beginning to get an awful lot of recognition and, and some projects are doing very well for what it is Kickstarter in the US, in the UK. Um, for example, I, I think uh, the latest projects I've seen, they are getting something like £30,000, uh, which is about $50,000. That, that gets those companies in the same place that American companies were a couple of years ago in Kickstarter yep. getting, you know, the, the 50,000 is when you were, oh my God, we've got 50,000. Right. Now 50,000 is a bit, okay, yeah, I've got 50,000. Um, but for us in here, 30,000 pounds, you know, $50,000 is a bit, oh my goodness, people actually believe in this. <laughs> and also we are finding an awful lot of companies, you know, Grubling Games, for example, wonderful, wonderful game, Cornish Muggler, and they are learning the hard way uh, how to do an awful lot of things that they just were not expecting to cope with the sudden demand. So I think it's having quite an impact 
in in the production and in how companies and individuals are approaching uh, gaming as a, from a more professional point of view, definitely. And we're going to see more coming in the future, in the very near future. Has the Kickstarter, uh, and we're just, we've just got a, a couple of minutes here, has Kickstarter's um, presence with a UK site, has, have you seen any uh, um, impact there? Because we were just talking about a possible negative impact. Has there been a positive impact? Has it, has it created, like the, we're seeing here, a surge of interest in people participating on Kickstarter? I think the interest was already there, to be honest with you. And whether it is a positive or a negative impact, it really depends who you ask. If you ask shops and uh, some distributors, they are going to tell you that the, 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 the impact is negative. Uh, if you ask the individuals, uh, like me, or like Gruden Games, or um, Sprocket Games, the smaller people, then you're seeing that actually is working out for them. So it really depends who you ask. Personally, I feel it's having a very, very positive impact um, because it's bringing more games out. And that, in the long run, has to be good for everyone. Okay, so you're an independent. You're a, um, you've kind of grassroots built up this, fo- excuse me, this following and, and this. What about game uh, entities like Queen Games, a European-based company? that has decided that they're going to use Kickstarter to come out with all of this type of stuff. They're not independent. They're not a small creative shop. They are a full-fledged, internationally known uh, company, and they're using Kickstarter. What's your opinion about that? I really don't have a problem with that. Really? really just, just no problem. Everybody's welcome. Jump in the pool. As far as I'm concerned, um, yes, uh, for one reason, and is that everybody has the same chance of failure. Um, so from that point of view, although, yes, Queen Games, you know, or the Fantasy Flight or Hasbro came into Kickstarter, they will have an advantage over other people. Um, but at the end of the day, everybody has the same chance of failure. And to be honest with you, I reckon that big companies have to think very carefully about going into Kickstarter because a success it's not necessarily going to bring them a lot more money unless they do incredible things like Cool Mini or not. But a failure is going to speak very, very badly about them and their games and their company. So from the PR point of view, I reckon big companies have to think twice before using Kickstarter. Do I have a problem with them using it? No, as long as they give me something special and something that's really, really cool. Awesome. Well, Paco, I always appreciate the opportunities we have to talk. This has been a great little conversation. Congratulations on funding your project. For those who, you know, well, and for those who want to go take a look, Slice and Dice is how you can find it on. Oh, Kick- it's Dice and Slice. Oh, I got it wrong. Dice and Slice. Well, if you type in, I think either one, it'll show up. But Dice and Slice, and they can find your website at gmsmagazine.com. Is that correct? That's correct indeed, sir. And your podcast, is, is it on iTunes? Can they find it there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the GMS Magazine podcast channel, and, and we have quite a few shows with um, board game reviews, and we talk about role-playing games, and we talk about board games, and we talk about all sorts of games. We talk a lot. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much indeed for having me. It's truly, truly appreciated. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Paco Garcia Jaén with GMS Magazine, who has a Kickstarter project out there that has, is currently running, doing a web series. And it's been uh, interesting to watch the success that he's having. Hopefully you've heard something to kind of inspire you to take that step to uh, st- step out and try your own Kickstarter project. We're certainly looking forward to seeing it. Thanks for listening. Take care.